0: This is a Soulfire production. Welcome back to the show, everybody. Back by Popular Demand. Ooh. That sounds kind of fun to say. Back by popular demand. My dear friend, Thorin Bradley is back on the show. You guys asked, we answered, and we sat down again, this time to talk all about relationships. For those of you that are new to Thorin's following, you might have found that on his Instagram page, he talks quite a bit about relationships, even though he's in the fitness space. We talked about it a little bit last time that Thorin speaks from truly, truly diving into his life experience. He's looked at the faults that he's made, the lessons he's learned, and found a way to share those with others online. Today, we're talking about boundary setting and saying no, structuring when people have access to you, right? Do you always grab for the phone and answer that FaceTime or text message and totally get dragged out of the present moment? Or are you allowed to kind of set some boundaries against that device? We also talk about ghosting, Ooh, gross. We talk about conscious relationships and when to call it quits. So today we dive in, we go there. Thorn gets so vulnerable. I'm so proud of him. Oh my God, love having him on the show. Also, what I love more than just about anything, is five-star rating and reviews. So if you please can head over to Apple Podcasts and rate the show, you would be doing me the biggest favor of 2021. It helps me continue to get guests like Thorne on the show. It gets other listeners involved. It's just good for everyone. Also, we are doing the Get Psyched giveaway. You want to be a part of this. So while you're doing that five-star rating and review, take a screenshot of it and DM it to me on Instagram at Lindsay Taylor Lock to be entered in the giveaway. It's that easy. If you're already there, it takes 30 seconds out of your day. Shoot me the review because it does take Apple a little bit to refresh and get everything up to speed. Let me know that you submitted that review and I will enter you into the giveaway. It is awesome. You want to be a part of it. So without further ado, enjoy the show. That's why influencers are a thing, right? Like they're selling you on a product of like, oh, I want to look like Thorne. And he's using this brand. Like that's how we talked about that a little bit on the last show was like, you know, I think that there's the internet, social media, CrossFit, the whole industry has done a really good job of making knowledge accessible. Um, but what we have not done a good job as a society in anything, whether we're talking CrossFit or COVID <laughs> is like question the messaging coming to us or getting curious about, is there another message? Am I just falling in line with mm-hmm. what's being spoon fed to me? Or am I critically thinking about it?
1: Or we just, what's the context? Like just asking that question so much more often as people like, it's okay to just live on the fence, just live on. I fucking live on the fence, dude. Like. I feel, I don't feel any way about any topic anymore because I found that like, as soon as I jump onto one side of the fence, it's the grass is always greener and you learn a little more and then you want to jump over again. And it's like, just wait till the situation comes down the pipe, make your decision on a day by day, case by case basis. And if you can do that as a coach, as a person, as whatever you're doing, you're going to solve a lot of fucking problems.
0: Well, and having just the willingness. I talk about this all the time in my therapy practice with my friends, with everyone, having a willingness to be like, I reserve the right to change my mind at any time. And I'm allowed to be curious. I'm allowed to say, you know, and this is controversial, whatever, like this isn't my exact opinion, but however people want to take it, it's like you could have been anti COVID vaccine and then learned more about mRNA and how it works. And now seeing, you know, results be like, Oh, actually like I might be willing to take it or I was wrong Mm -hmm. or anything like that. Like, we get so wrapped up in ego and our ego keeps us safe. Our ego keeps us going. Our ego propels us through life, but we can get so wrapped up in it that we're not willing to be like, Oh, I was wrong about something. That's all it takes is saying like, I was wrong about that.
1: Yeah. And that's, that's sort of the theme of like this transformative thing I've gone through recently in 2020 is over now. So it's, it's nice to see it continue on into the next year and see how it changes my life, but to be able to get to that point to reach that, you know, confidence level where you're able to relearn some things over again that you ingrained in yourself as like written truths, like things that you learned to be right all the time, or this happens to be right at this time or that there's always going to be a circumstance where you're wrong about everything or a circumstance where, yeah, it's a good, it's a good advice, but it doesn't apply to this mm-hmm. specific scenario. Gyms, are they essential to health? no shit. We are like, as a society, we don't really have that many places anymore where we're getting genuine exercise. Neat. So like non-structured exercise Mm -hmm. is not a thing anymore. It's not, I mean, dude, people park as close as they can to go get their groceries, walk back to the car so they don't have to walk through the rain, jump in that car. And then once you get home, you're driving as close as you can to the front door, get right back inside and then stop moving. Pay someone to walk your dogs while you're at work. So you don't have to
0: and that was one of my biggest things with, with COVID was, you know, I had so many friends, and don't get me wrong, like I missed being in the gym, mm-hmm. I missed the community, I missed hanging out with my friends between squat sets, like I missed all of that.
1: Or just challenging your muscles because y- it's very hard to it's do that without hard. a barbell. Totally, yeah, no joke.
0: Um, I got really good at like <laughs> making twenty-five pound dumbbells, like crush <laughs> as my heavy life. as you can. Yeah, yeah, just
1: getting as creative as you can.
0: Um. But, you know, there was never a point when I wasn't allowed to walk outside. There was never a point that I couldn't get on my bike or go play with my dog or, you know, in Santa Cruz, I could go jump in the ocean. Like I could go do all of these things. And so often it's like we're spoon fed either a way of fitness or a quick fix. Take this pill. It's going to help whatever it is that people don't use what's at their disposal or they don't get creative because they're like, ah, uh, like. I'm gonna park as close as I can to the grocery store. Whatever. That was like my
1: thing when I was talking about for a while. As soon as that first lockdown came, it was the first time in my life—not my life, first time since 16 years old. So pretty much my your adult, uh, yeah, life. my adult life, pretty much my just life in general. But my fitness life came to this first halt where it was like I always preach to so many people that you don't need a gym to get in shape, but I always had one. Mm-hmm. Always had one. Like even in high school, like at. You know, my mom worked at the school, so I had a key if I wanted to use that key to go lift weights because no coach or teacher or parent is ever going to get mad that one kid wants to spend a little more time in the weight room or whatever it is. So I did have access to a gym my entire life, anytime I wanted. Being a strength and conditioning coach, the rest of the world didn't have access to gyms. Technically, if I wanted to, the key's in my fucking pocket. Right. I can go to a world-class NCAA weight room anytime I wanted. Is it technically... Is that like kosher to go in and really use a gym when no one else is supposed to be on the campus? No, it's not. But would I have gotten away with it? Absolutely. So I always had access to a gym even during COVID. Mm -hmm. But one of the things that came kind of to a head for me that I was trying to message to people this whole time was that you teetered your interest in fitness and exercise as being only taking place in a social environment. Mm which is it's awesome because yeah. the social aspect of it does keep a lot of people interested. And it's half the reason why they're able to keep continuing through it. But that's an extrinsic, very often it's an extrinsic motivator. Now, enjoying the workout, that's an intrinsic motivator. We know that. Mm-hmm. And having a sense of community, that's intrinsic. But the problem is is that if your whole world was built on the extrinsic motivator of needing people around, needing that environment, needing that gym to exercise, and that Jenga tower, someone reached in and pulled that brick out, now you don't have a gym to exercise in. Everything you built that tower on to keep exercise as part of your regular life is gone. Mm-hmm. Completely gone.
0: I mean, that was so with to start over. anything. I, you know, in my therapy practice, I talk to my clients a ton, a ton about how important it was to keep your space sacred. Um, and, and what I mean by that is like, I don't work in my bedroom. Like my bedroom is for sleep and sex and that's it it's a sacred place and my dining room table my computer's on that like when i'm working from home my dining room table is my office my kitchen is where i eat right like these different spaces were like i don't mix those two worlds so instead of being like oh like i'm locked in my house and i've got nowhere to go it's like i still had structure i knew that if i walked to the dining room table i was in you my open office that computer
1: and you can get some shit done i was in my office yeah. right
0: like i got in my room stop i was going <laughs> Angle to yourself bed.
1: right there so you can't see the fridge too <laughs> <You're> <laughs> yeah i about that the whole time yeah it's true though that's important
0: and creating structure even when we feel like we don't have any is so important there are so many things that we can get so you and I were talking about this before the show we can get so wrapped up in we can get so wrapped up in like not having control over something or I can't do this I can't do that like I'm stuck in my house it's like no you can set up your sacred spaces in your house and have some structure you can always choose what you're putting in your mouth, you know, like quarantine, did you get down on Cheetos or were you like making yourself healthy meals? Like Mm -hmm. we all have so much opportunity in this life to choose and we can so easily fall into the like complaining camp of like, oh, like my freedom was taken away from me or this and the other thing. It's like, No, you can always move. You can always choose Mm -hmm. what you're going to eat. You can always do these different things. Or
1: structuring other people's access to you too, which has been a huge part for me to try to teach the people around me how to do that. Mm -hmm. And because I had to teach myself that pretty recently, which is I've been such a provider. I'm not a father for everybody listening. I don't have any kids, so it's not fair to use that word, I guess, in in its holistic sense. But as a friend, as a son, as a brother, you know, as a significant other, I've always been such a provider, which is like just to show up 100% all the time Mm -hmm. and be at people's disposal when they snap their fingers, not as a jump guy, not as like a people pleaser, but in the sense where I want to be 100% Thorn for you all the time. I don't want to ever be in a bad mood when you're talking to me. I don't want you to see me when I'm down. I don't want you to see me when I'm hurting, when I'm not at my best. I don't want people to see that because I always wanted their experience with Thorn to be a positive one. Mm -hmm. It's like I'm a business, right? Mm. it's like I'm treating it like I'm a fucking restaurant that's what I did my whole life which is like it okay. you text me can it, you get a five star <laughs> review yeah. on Facebook? I want I a <laughs> five star review all the time because I want people to get the intense version of me the energetic version of me the one that's going to give them everything that I can to make sure that when I leave this world that everyone had a positive experience but the problem is is that that's not human that's not real and it's not real and it's also it's also not sustainable which is what broke me Like two years ago, it just finally fucking broke me because it was like, you can't bring that energy all the time without just dipping into every last ounce of you that you ever had. Because, and you know this as someone who's been close to me for a long time, I am very bright, intense, sharp with it. Try to be very present when I'm with you. I don't want someone to feel like I'd rather be somewhere else ever. Mm Mm-hmm. I think my biggest quality is to make sure somebody knows that I don't care what we're doing. I want you to know that I want to be with you in this room, but that's not always true. And that's not always the case. So I finally started to learn that it's important to also structure when people have access to you so that in the moments when you're not feeling that way, that you have moments to just be down, to be sad, to catch up with how negative you feel about your job currently or whatever those cases may be. If you're giving, and that's a problem with the phone is personally, I fucking hate FaceTime. <laughs> I actually think that although FaceTime helps with so many long distance relationships and so many families who don't get to see each other, it was amazing during COVID. Amazing. Cause I mean, it's like, you can't see great grandma with a mask. I don't have a great grandma anymore. I don't have a grandma anymore, but you can't see your great grandma with a mask on, sorry, a mask off. So FaceTime is beautiful for that. Cause now it's giving people access to those people totally. on a regular basis. But for me in the social world, FaceTime has become very fucking rude.
2: Mm.
1: Very it's like if you took the essence of an interruption in a conversation and carried it around with you in your pocket all the time. Yep. Imagine like for me, you might not feel this way, and I actually had this talk a lot of times with a lot of friends, family, and people in my life that I care about. But if I'm sitting in a car next to you and someone FaceTimes you and you bring them into our conversation immediately, just by answering that FaceTime, it feels to me personally so very intrusive. Mm. So very like interruptive because every conversation that starts, starts from the bottom, starts from the beginning, starts from from an infantile phase. Conversations build sort of like steam. They like develop passion. They develop all this sort of, like they age as time goes on. Mm -hmm. An hour goes by, the conversation gets deeper and deeper and deeper. Someone jumps in from the outside world and FaceTimes you, you've just brought in that entire situation, boom, right back to the start.
0: Right. Well, we were just talking about this. Yes. You have to explain it all before explain you get it. to where you are.
1: And even if you do explain it, it throws cold water on that fire, on that heat. So I think the hard time with <clears throat> that we're having now with technology is that although you can get to things quicker, get to people quicker, you can get to a sexual relationship quicker now because people can skip a lot of the foreplay that takes place in conversation, in meeting, in dating. Because you're able to spend 12 hours of a day communicating with somebody, even if it's shit communication, in my opinion. You're still communicating. Mm -hmm. So you can expedite a lot of this stuff. But the problem with FaceTime and texting and all this stuff is, is that those notifications are always fucking on. Mm -hmm. None of us turn them off. None of us actually put our phone away. Even those of us who put it on silent, it's still in your pocket. And in the slow moment in line at the grocery store, you're going to pull it out. Look at it real quick. Answer as much as you can. And you're not going to be here in that line. You're okay. going to be here in that place. So it's cliche and it's actually become a very common topic of conversation. But the part we're not talking about is, is that when people are important in our lives, like someone you deem to be close to you in your inner circle, they have full access to you mm-hmm. based on how close to the middle of that circle they are. So somebody from work texts you on a Saturday about a work thing. You might wait till Sunday night to read it and think about it just because you know it's a Monday problem. But if somebody's your best friend and they text you or FaceTime you, boom, they're getting in right fucking now. Mm-hmm. But even if that person is that close to you, if it's not an emergency, I don't necessarily think no matter how close that person is to you, that we should have full access to somebody that often and be able to intrude on somebody's thoughts and delve into their immediate world around them that quickly mm-hmm. and separate them from whatever they're coping with because it's shortchanging us on a lot of this complex digesting that we should be doing with the immediate world.
0: Yeah. I talk about that a lot of you have to teach others how to treat you, how to communicate with you, how to do any of those things. And, and it happens through boundary setting. It happens through saying no, it happens through showing up authentically. And I was talking to, you know, one of my good friends this weekend and her, One of her New Year's resolutions is to say no more and simplify her life. She's like, even if it seems like a good idea, even if it's going to bring in X amount of income, even if, you know, that party sounds really fun or going to lunch sounds awesome. Like if I don't have the time or the energy to show up in those experiences, I'm doing everyone a disservice. And so, you know, from a young age, we're taught that like saying no You know, we talk about the toddlers and the terrible twos. And when they start to learn the word no, it's like every parent's nightmare. And it's like that little kid's actually expressing every like want and like dislike that they have. Without thinking too long about it. Yeah. Yeah. Without
1: thinking too long or thinking how it's going to affect your feelings. Totally. Yeah. Which is huge.
0: And so I'm not saying that we all need to walk around as toddlers by any means, but when you get offered something or you get that FaceTime call or any of these things, like For me, taking that second to check in, like take a deep breath and being like, like, do I want to answer this? Like check into my body, tune in. Is there any resistance? And if there is like, that's, that's a problem for future Lindsay. I'll call that person back when I feel more whole, when I feel ready to have, you know, a two hour conversation with my best friend that I haven't seen on the East coast, you know, whatever it is, what practices have you put in play kind of I know you said two years ago you kind of started going down this path. What does that look like?
1: Well, first I'll I'll expand that I started noticing when I was in those places that I usually wanted to be the hundred percent version of myself, Mm -hmm. I was fading. I was so It it wasn't forced because I'm not a good actor, so I wasn't catching myself like, oh, you're you're not the you're not true to yourself, you're not really being honest. That's not the case at all. In fact, I was just finding it was very hard to show up without showing up with holding a bag full of anxiety everywhere Mm. I was going, or holding a bag full of angst about the situation. Or, you know, there's this room full of ten people. You know, am I ready for this? Do I really want to go to it? I get invited to a family dinner. You know, significant other's family dinner, and it's too much for me. Can't digest it. Can't process it. Well, why? Like as the other person looking in on that, like why, why can't, it's literally just dinner. You'll be back home in your own bed, on your own couch in a few hours. Like, why is that so much for you to handle? It's because I was holding this cloud over my head, which is like, I'm not really feeling like the best version of myself today. So I don't want other people to experience that version of thorn either. Mm. So to first to lead that off is that that was sort of the launching pad for me is realizing that I wasn't. It wasn't insecurity, but it's also more on the sense of just not allowing myself to not be a hundred percent all the time, not be intense all the time, not be able to be passive because I'm such an extrovert, not being able to sit in a situation and just be passive and watch the world happen around you. I always wanted to control by being a part of it, being a significant, you know, that yeah. have you ever watched the office? Yeah. But it's like at that, um, Robert California party when Jim, wh- wherever they show up and he just wants to make an impression and then go so that he was remembered That was sort of my stance on every place I went. I just wanted to be a part of that memory. I wanted to make sure that the people who were involved in that memory always had me in it Mm. or always knew that I was there for them, cared for them. And that's just not the case. That's just not the case all the time. So what I had to start doing is realizing that, dude, if you say no one out of every three times, even 33% of the time, that's going to be a huge weight lifted off your back. Huge. Yeah. And then when you say no, because so-and-so wants you to, you know, they decided they all want to have a new year's party and it's, you know, we're really bringing in 2019. We want you there. Everyone's going to party, but I've got like a photo shoot in three weeks and I really care about the results of that photo shoot. I want to do my best. What do I pick? What do I do? It's okay to say no to one of those things so that I can show up to the one that's most important to me the way I'd like to. Mm -hmm. It's also okay to say yes to both things. And bring a little less to that scenario. Leave a little bit more early. Have a quick little intimate conversation with someone and walk out the door and not have FOMO about what happens after you leave. And just cherish the moment that you did have with it. And start to learn that 100% sometimes means being 100% but for a less extended period of time. Mm -hmm. Or bringing 100% of yourself to one circumstance instead of four.
0: Totally. My buddy... um has a really awesome company and he was saying that the way he structures his employees work day, it's a lot shorter work day than most. It's, you know, they work four days a week. They don't work five days a week. And he's like, I would rather have a hundred percent of you 70% of the time than 70% of you a hundred percent of the
2: time.
1: (laughs) For sure. And there's a multitude of reasons for that. I'll just, I'll just go into it by saying, I think it's, I think, I think it's pretty telling that we um, decided to do a second episode this close to the first episode. Mm-hmm. And one of the reasons why I think that's the case is because we hadn't seen each other for so long. It took a while to, it, it took that whole entire conversation to get back to having just Lindsay in my life again. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Because it's been so long since I spent any significant time with you other than just small talk, which I love. I think small talk's one of the most important things in the world, but it took, takes a while to warm back up, establish who I am, reestablish who I think you are, which is an important part of a relationship again. And then get back into the friendship where it's like, this is where we left off. This is who we are now establishing that we had a great intro conversation, but now what it's more about. And then it leads into what I'm trying to say again about being a hundred percent there sometimes getting in the way. If you're asking yourself to be a hundred percent all the time with everything you're doing. And that's the mistake I was making in my life recently, which was right around the time that we reconnected like two or three years ago on the internet. Mm-hmm when we had both finished kind of the first round of college, which is a bachelor's degree, the hard part, the boring part (laughs) was, (laughs) was that, okay, like, yeah, I'd really like, of course I'd really like to go spend time with Lindsay. Like I'd really like to catch up with you. I'd really like to figure out where you're at in life and establish, you know, a more adult relationship and going forward in the future with what our friendship means in our lives and stuff. But uh, where's the time? Where the fuck am I going to find the time to do that? Mm Mm-hmm. And I wouldn't have ever been sitting on a couch here talking to you on a podcast then. Right. At that point in my life when we first connected again as friends. Cause it was like, it was really tough for me because I was trying to push so fucking hard in so many different directions. I just didn't have the bandwidth to go there. But now this situation, this relationship, this friendship has fueled me so much more than it would have then because I've alleviated some of that stress on myself to not be so 100% every direction I go. Now I have space for little moments like this. I have space for uh, two hours here, three hours there. And those are actually the things that's stimulating a lot more growth in my life mm-hmm. than any of the big shit I'm doing. Building an app, trying to make a bigger income next year so that I'm you know a little bit more stable and comfortable, whatever it is. It's these little moments I'm finally making time for that are actually fueling that. So if we take people, humans, as a structure as a whole in their professional environment and let off the gas a little bit, let them bring a little bit more energy to whatever it is they're doing, all of these people are going to grow in so many different directions. Mm-hmm. People are going to get so much better. They're going to be so much happier. It might be digestible, again, to go to work four or five days a week if you're only going for five hours. It might You might get more out of those people, but then they'll get more out of themselves then they'll bring more ideas back into your space. Absolutely. It's crazy. So I've noticed that it applies socially just as much as it does professionally. And that's, I'm not trying to work a nine to five anymore socially, (laughs) which I guess socially for me was used to be five to nine, which means, you know what I mean? That five to nine every day after you get off work, those little four hours after of how do I reconnect with these people that were all at work today? How do I make sure that my friends from high school, college, professional world, all these people still know that I'm a part of their life or whatever people you deem important to you, that can get taxing. And we have a hard time just letting go of some things and letting them just kind of unfold as they are. Maybe Mm -hmm. this person is not really going to be that big of a part of your life anymore because you grew in different directions. Maybe they will in five years. But not trying to grasp and hold on to shit and control the result of that and just kind of letting stuff happen. And I think a lot of people don't want to give, give way to that loss of control because they're afraid they're going to lose some of those things that they've established in their own identity, which is other people's involvement in their life Mm. or a relationship that they've made such a big part of who they are. If I lose that, I'm going to have to start over, start fresh, find new friends, whatever it is. Instead of just understanding that if you want to spend time with somebody tomorrow, you will, but make sure that you're doing it because you just want to. And I think it's crazy because I've been there before. I'm sure you've been there at least once or twice in your life. But how many people in this world are spending time with people out of this sort of deep-seated obligation? Mm. And people will be like, well, yeah, you know, I have to go spend time with someone. It's like, dude, take a nap. Watch a movie and tell them just to stay home. It's okay to be alone in a room and tell the person, maybe tomorrow, don't be so afraid all the time that if you're not feeding, and watering these plants around you, that they're just going to die. Mm-hmm. Because although it does take some effort, if you keep showing up kind of half-assed, you're just gonna walk up to that plant one day and have nothing in the little water thing. Right. <laughs> you are know, just gonna walk up and there's nothing in there, and you're like, now this motherfucker's really gonna die, because I don't have anything left, and now the plant really does shrivel up because you're not bringing the best version of yourself to them. And I was, I'm only preaching this from this pedestal because I've fucking been there in right. so many relationships, so many friendships, you know, so many familial situations where I'm like. I've got to be 100% of myself all the time. So it just brought so much stress into my world. And a lot of friendships have died in my life. They have just kind of faded. But that doesn't take away from the importance of what they were. And if I cross paths with that person one day, it's all right to not say, we should, get, we should link up sometime.
0: Right. Unless it's right. genuine. It's all right. Unless you yeah, really want of
1: to. Yeah, of course. But you don't have to have that overhanging stress of like, There's one more person I got to bring around back into my life again and figure out and find time for them. It's not true. Just like ease off a little bit and see where your desire takes you and what makes you want to go, whatever piques your interest that day. You can kind of just take those turns as they come.
0: Totally. Kind of pivoting the conversation a little bit. I was having this conversation with a friend uh, around the the world, the dating world and ghosting, right? Like I think that it's so, this is so applicable there that, I know I have, when I see, we live in a small town, right? Like I moved back to my small town 10 years after leaving it. So the amount of people that I run into that are like, hey, let's grab a beer sometime. And I'm like, yeah. In my head, I'm like, I have no interest in ever (laughs) having a beer with you, right?
1: Oh, it's so applicable. It's so applicable.
0: But that's what so many people do in dating and I think because what we were talking about before with accessibility, like all you have to do is swipe right and then for whatever reason, we might feel this obligation to then like go on a date, right? And then you go on the Text date back. And, or like write back or anything, right? And you're like, eh, like it wasn't great, but like, what else am I going to do? Sure, I'll go on another one, right? And then you get to this point where you're, invested or one party might be more invested than the other and then what does the person think to do they're like oh i'm just gonna ghost this person i'm just gonna stop writing back right and i'm not gonna sit here and pretend like i've never done it i have done my fair share of ghosting right whether i was young or insecure or anything in between my narrative around it was like, oh yeah, like if I just slowly kind of like, you know, that meme a of Homer frame. Simpson going into the, <laughs> into the bushes. It's like, if I just kind of do that, then I'm not hurting anyone's feelings. I'm not saying no to a date. I'm not saying, hey, I'm just not that into you. I'm like protecting this person it's
1: like the polite way of saying it's not you it's me yeah it's except like, <laughs>
0: it's not polite no it's it not is at all. So but rude. you're trying to be you're trying to be exactly yeah. and so it wasn't brought to my attention it was actually my therapist that she was like okay so have you ever been ghosted and I was like yeah uh I know I know audience out there, like you guys thought I was perfect. I've never been (laughs) ghosted, but I for sure have been ghosted. And she's like, how'd you feel? And it's like, it is the most annoying, because they like give you just enough, right? To be like, oh, like, is this person still interested? Should I still hang around? Should I still text them? There's this cool concert coming up. I like have three friends I could go with, but I'm kind of still into this guy or this girl or whatever. And I'm going to ask them. When meanwhile, they're dating other people and they're like, just, you know, kind of like disappearing out of your life. She's like, yeah. And how's that feel? I was like, it's miserable. Like, you don't know where you are in relation to this person. And they're like, yeah, isn't that actually kind of like one of the meanest things you could do to that human then? Like, if you're telling me that you care about this person enough that you quote unquote, don't want to hurt them. So you're going to slowly like ghost out of their life. (laughs) She was like, that's some back ass logic like what it's brutal and uh and so I think that you know we can take the same stance on friendships on anything in our life that like isn't serving you and and that's not to be like on some pedestal and be like oh peasant you don't serve me anymore you know but it's just to say like it's okay to release people from your life it's okay to not go get the beer from Homeboy that you saw in the Home Depot parking lot. Yeah. You know, <laughs> like yeah. those things are okay.
1: And I, you know, I think it's interesting that you brought up ghosting because I've had the hardest time in my life with not catching, uh, not catching clues or hints or tips when somebody is interested in me. Mm. And that's been Same. my my <laughs> that's been my biggest struggle all along, which is to really think that a situation is is really platonic, and. Being extremely friendly with somebody, or being extremely kind with them, and you know wanting to give them advice or take them to that next place—it happens all the time in my life, and it's tough. I mean, not so much anymore being in a relationship; it's not happening every day, but it happens plenty of times on the internet. Somebody asks me a question, and I give them the answer, and I make sure I write a full paragraph. I'm very detailed. I use exclamation points more often than I should, and I'm I'm helpful. I send a smiley face, an emoji, whatever it is, and not understanding the emotional you know, capacity that it takes to feel when somebody else is interested in you and then know how to maneuver through those situations instead of just going, whoa, that got taken to a place where that person was, for whatever reason, emotionally interested in me or interested in me in a sexual way. And now the only way I know how to cope with that is to say, gone, I'm out. That was too much. I'm not in that space. I don't think of you that way, whatever it is. I can't. And that's been a similar problem for me. And that's not necessarily... The same concept as ghosting, but it's the same lack of touch, the same lack of understanding that it's okay to use more words to tell somebody, hey, you know, I'm really, I just got good at this this year when telling somebody like that's interested in me like that. It's not a dangerous place to be in. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's not a scary, it's not a threatening place. I had been in a relationship before, you know, quite a while back when I was quite a bit younger, but in a relationship where that would be considered somewhere something crossed the line and that's on you. That was on me. That's my fault that somebody interpreted it that way. I would feel that that was a threatening space and I had done something wrong. So the only way to overcorrect for that is to get the fuck out of that situation and don't go back there again. Don't make that mistake again. Don't be so friendly. Don't be so bubbly. Don't be so... But that's not me. That's who I am. I'm Mm -hmm. very intense. I do want people to have this might sound crazy, but I do want in some sense, everyone to be attracted to me and that I'm interacting with anyway, in some way, I'm not saying sexually, but in some way I want people to be attracted, gravitated, whatever the word you want to use is, but that's a safe place to be in. And it's okay to maneuver around in that space while you're there. There's elbow room, there's space to move because if somebody comes to me, if a, you know, anyone comes to me, whether more often than not lately, it's actually been men on social media, even though I'm a straight person, but It's oftentimes women and men, but usually we get in these spaces and the person's like, oh, I'm sorry. And they feel uncomfortable after that. And it's like, no, you don't understand. I'm flattered. That's flattering. I appreciate the fact that you were interested in me in that way. But that doesn't mean the interaction, the exchange is completely lost now. Unless, of course, they came with only that intention.
0: And you need, you know, like in that same conversation, in that same thread, like that person also has to take responsibility, radical responsibility for the way they're showing up. And like you said, if they were coming, they're sliding into DMs or whatever, just like, I'm going to like dick this guy down or whatever. (laughs) Like then, yeah, they need to also take your response and be like, all right, like different intentions. See you later. But if you also like take the time to take radical responsibility for why you were hitting up anyone, then you also, to go back to the beginning of this conversation, reserve the right to change your mind. And if that person says, hey, I'm super flattered, but like, I'm just not interested or I have a partner or whatever, then yeah, like rejection hurts, it sucks. And you can choose in that moment to say, okay, like, and it's too much for me to carry on a platonic friendship. That's an okay truth. It's also okay to be like, all right, like, and we're pivoting. And I need to check in with myself and see if I have ulterior motives. Like, am I going to change Thorne's mind? Am I going to stay in this yeah. platonic relationship and hope that, you know, to weasel my way in somewhere? Like that's not the best place to be coming from either. No, but it's okay to receive rejection and receive rejection well and be okay with pivoting, whatever the friendship looks like.
1: That's fun, And that's funny. You bring that up. Cause that's the, I call it, it's like a personal with myself. But I always think about it when it happens. When I get a big uh, influx of followers, um, like a large chunk, it always happens sort of sporadically. It's always consistent. And then all of a sudden you'll see this huge spike. I always call it like the plus 10 minus three rule, which is like I'll get 10 followers and then I'll lose three of them instantaneously. Right. Because there's this thing that happens with us in in the internet world, in the social media world now, where we're reaching to grab onto something. And if we can't have it, we drop the rock, walk away, and just fucking there's no worth there anymore. And a lot of people follow me with the intent, of course, which is if I follow him, contact him, expand a conversation a little bit further and see where it goes. And then now I'm very hard to contact now because it's gotten a little bit clustered on my you know direct messages. It's a little too much for me to answer on my own, but the places I do try to answer, someone does go that direction. And then I say, look, I'm, you know, I'm not looking for a relationship. That's not why I'm on Instagram. Mm-hmm. Um, that's not why I'm here on social media. That's not my message. That's not what I'm trying to do. I've lost all worth to some of those people, 30% of those people, which is fine. I mean, the f- following is of course a consensual thing. Like they're, they're choosing to follow me. I don't want anyone who doesn't want to follow me following me. But with that said, you see it happen every time. Plus 10, minus three. Yep. 10 people come on, three people leave. Cause they're like, Oh, I've I'm not going to date this guy. This guy's not interested in me. This guy's not going to sleep with me. He's not going to read my DM that has a picture of my tits in it. Like he's not. And that is, I see it happen every fucking time, but here's my qualm with the way social media works. Now we have this, this all or nothing mentality about if I can't have it, I don't want it. You know, the old saying, which was you know, you you want what you can't have. Mm-hmm. I think social media has actually created an environment where it's actually the inverse now, in my mm-hmm. personal opinion, which is, if I can't have it, then I don't want it. So I have to be very obvious about the fact that once I've realized or it's hit me that I can't have something, I either pick that something apart, find flaws with it. It's all sour grapes.
0: Right. I'm gonna I make don't, myself feel better about the fact that I can't have me. whatever
1: it is, or that person, or that thing, or whatever that video that person doesn't know I exist. So therefore. It's not what I wanted anyway. There's something wrong with that something. Or on the flip side of that, which is even bi- uh, even bigger breakthrough we've seen, which is when someone sees something they want, the moment that they find out they can't have it, then it's flawed, then mm. it's trash. Then I don't want that thing. And it's like if you walk somebody on, like walk by somebody on the street, they're wearing a pair of shoes you really like. You don't turn to the person and go, "Give me your shoes," right? give me those fucking shoes. I really want those. If you see someone you're really attracted to on the internet, it doesn't mean you just get that person, want that person, should have that person. And if you don't get that person, they're trash. Pull and take from the things you like, keep them around you. It's like a Pinterest board. Use life like a fucking Pinterest board. You see someone you're super attracted to, they have great mannerisms, great qualities. You like a lot of things about them, but you're pretty certain you're not going to sleep with that person it's okay to still, from an attraction standpoint, follow that person. Mm -hmm. It's still very valuable because you're taking and picking and choosing and learning things about your own sexual attraction, learning things about your own intimate interactions with the world around you and seeing the qualities and learning more about the things you do like so that you can hopefully take that home and cultivate it in your own world. Mm Mm-hmm. And it's okay to be attracted in all these other different directions to things and bring them into your own space. And if you are in a relationship, it's not to say you should bring those things home and then try to change the person you're with into those things. It's to say you should bring them into your personal world. So sometimes there's qualities, even in women, that I'll find to whether it's like, for example, like just a lot of ambition or somebody that's just got really good swag and style. And I'm like, man, that person has a lot of charisma. Opposite sex, still fucking apply it to myself. Yeah, You want to be attracted to yourself. Like in my personal opinion, it's become one of the most beneficial things I've ever done, which is qualities I find attractive in the world, I internalize. Mm-hmm. Use them to sort of bolster up what I feel I like about things and people. I like about aspects in people. When you come in contact with something, bring something out of that situation. And when the person says, no, you can't have my shoes go home, Google them, find them on fucking Amazon in your own world. Get the shoes yourself, like do your own thing. And that's the problem with social media is like, if I can't have that, it's trash. Mm. It's not just black or white in that situation. Like if you like it, I promise you, if there's something attracting you to that thing, explore what that thing is. Like you use these giant portfolios that just exist on somebody's page. Use these platforms where people are being able to expose so much more about their personality, their traits, the things they're interested in, use those things to like bolster up the world around you. And it's all right. If you just can't have something to still learn from that something, but it's crazy. Cause what I'm saying right now to a lot of people would be shaking their head and say, yeah, that's fucking common sense, obviously. But look at the way it works now. Mm-hmm. It's all, do I get to sleep with it? Cause if not, right. It serves me nothing.
0: I mean, it's the same as like the grade school, like playground right like whether it was like having a crush on someone and telling that person then all of a sudden like that person like they reject you whatever right like the rumors that would start or the things that would be different it's like we i i love what you're saying about we have this propensity to as soon as i can't have it to like shame it or disown it or like make ourselves feel better build ourselves up like I really didn't want it that much anyway but it's totally okay to be like yeah I really liked that person I really enjoyed their sense of humor or I really liked that pair of shoes or whatever it's okay to still really like a person even once they've rejected you
1: or even once you can't have that thing once you can't you know once you once you realize that it's not a graspable maybe a graspable actual you know tangible thing you can bring into your life in that one circumstance mm-hmm. like you're saying like it's fu- it's fine to just be like yo they said no but like there was something there I want to explore there's something about that person that just really brought me in I want to find out what that thing was because then you learn more about yourself mm-hmm. and That just goes back right to what I said, which is like the plus 10 minus 3, which is like seven of those people platonically followed me. Three of them, it wasn't platonic. They were hoping there was something that was going to come out of it. But at the same time, I'm not so sure that those people couldn't have still pulled something from that situation. If there's anyone out there listening and is like, I was really attracted to that person, they're not going to write me back. They're not interested in me. I still urge you to find out whatever it is that's drawing you to that person and find out what it is so that you learn a little bit more about yourself. And learn a bit more about what you want or are looking for in the qualities of someone you want to spend time with. Mm-hmm. We
0: were kind of talking about this a lot before the show of just like having expectations and the expecta- expectation hangover that can come from it when like that expectation isn't met. Um, and we were talking about it in the sense of like plant medicines. Oh, yeah. Of yeah. if I, there's such a difference between. An expectation and an intention. And the way that you're going into that, that could be with anything, whether it's a psychedelic or a relationship or a friendship or anything in between. If I'm going in with the expectation, I put thorn in this box and labeled it thorn. And I expect you to act in a certain way and you act anything outside of that box that I've labeled you in, that throws me off and I can get resentful. That's when I can, you know, be one of the three that unfollows, whatever it is. Whereas if I go into it with the intention of I'm going to follow this person or I'm going to date this person or I'm going to go into this experience with the intention of learning something new, with the intention of meeting a new person, with the intention of whatever it is, I haven't created such a concrete expectation or, or final destination that I can't be more flexible, that I can't be more curious about whatever's about to unfold.
1: And get way more out of it in the long run, for sure. That's important. And, but that's not, so that's actually a topic or a subject at hand that I'm not really in a position to preach about yet. Cause I still, we talked about that before the show, which is, I still have a lot of um, personal issues with control or personal issues with allowing you know, allowing circumstances to just unfold and be a bystander or an active bystander in those situations instead of needing them to turn out the way that I put the energy into. Mm -hmm. And I've learned to finally apply that to the more tangible things in life, like professional goals or physical goals with my body or things that are a little easier to put to the side. But on the emotional sense, I'm not there yet. So I'm still learning that too. So this isn't coming from a preaching standpoint. In fact, I've learned a lot from you about that. But I think that is important to understand that you are allowed to be the stimulus in a situation and not necessarily know exactly how it's going to unfold or not get exactly what you want out of it and still welcome the learning experience. And I've been that way. I've had a hard time. That's why marijuana was not a part of my life for so long is because I wasn't able to just relinquish the experience to just feel how I was going to feel. It was Mm -hmm. like, I need to be feel this exact way, relaxed, calm, happy, giggly, and hungry. if it does <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm always fucking hungry. That's never a problem. But yeah, with, with the, uh, yeah, with those, those side effects need to be my experience. And if it's not that experience, I would fucking lose it. I mean, full on panic attack every single time. It didn't go that way. Now, thankfully marijuana happens to be an averagely p- predictable drug. I mean, for the most part, you do get a pretty standard experience, a standard reward from it. But there are times, especially with someone like me who has heavy anxiety, um, very heavy generalized anxiety is that any time that you get a wrench thrown in your direction, your whole world just fucking crumbles all the way back down. You're at this weird baseline where nothing is going to work that day until you get this shit ironed out right now until I make sure that I can control whatever's immediately around me. As soon as I get that back under control, then I'll welcome new stuff back in again Mm -hmm. instead of catching stuff in stride. Mm. But then I started to learn that that was what it was teaching me. This was like, if I just kept it around a little bit longer, not that everybody needs to push if something pushes back, sometimes you don't enjoy it. It's okay to turn, you know, turn your cheek and not do it again. Yeah, but please don't stay in a toxic yeah, relationship. Yeah, like, yeah for <laughs> sure. In, in fact, that's you, if you go on my Instagram, you'll find I'm fucking trying to convince people to break up all the time. <laughs> <laughs> people are like, people are like, dude, what are you doing? Like, are you, aren't you in a relationship or aren't you happy? Aren't you healthy? Why are you trying to get people to break up all the time? I'm like, look, here's the thing. If I could just, Take my shirt off, write a caption underneath it, and she's gonna leave that guy, or he's gonna leave that girl, or they're gonna leave each other, um, whatever mutual situation it may be. And I can convince people to break up with a caption. It was a good thing you broke up. (laughs) (laughs) Because if that's all it took is for me to change your perspective a little bit to see how toxic a situation is, then I sure fucking, and it's happened. People have written me and been like, hey, like I was in this, you know, not unhappy, like somewhat like ambiguous relationship for a long time and once you kind of laid this out for me in the right words I left them Um, I'm not sure if I made the right decision I tell them the same thing every time I'm like look I don't know if you'll end up with that person maybe in 10 years but as of right now you made the right decision if a caption yeah if a caption or a piece of writing or something was profound enough to get you to leave a relationship I promise you it wasn't really the relationship you needed at least in that point in time so I'm always doing that shit. I'm always throwing people in there like, why so much relationship advice? And Cause like our fucking whole world's relationships. Yeah. When did you
0: start pivoting to the more relationship advice caption?
1: When I was in a healthy one.
0: Ah, can you tell me more about that?
1: Yeah. So, um, God, I've, I've not been, we talked about this last time a little bit, but not in detail. I've not been somebody who was ever, I never went through a promiscuous phase in my life. Um, I mean, if anyone needed proof of that, you'd be the first one to be able to verify that knowing me for as long as you did, but (laughs) I, it was just not my thing, man. And it's not to say that it was for any specific reason. It's not to say that I ever had an intent of why I was doing that. I didn't think of myself as, you know, on some sort of pedestal where it was like people weren't good enough. I don't mean to like that, but I felt as though in order to be physically attracted to somebody, I had to be emotionally and mentally attracted to them. And that's a huge, huge roadblock in order to walk around this world and have a lot of, you know, experience a lot of sexual interactions with people because a lot of times in this world, the way things, the world is set up and how instant gratification is and social media and texting and talking and all this stuff and especially, (laughs) or just late high school or any of those times in your life, early college. Is that most of these interactions people have are all coming from physical attraction, but for whatever reason, the way that my brain was kind of wired is that I felt it was a little more f- feminine in nature, the way that my brain was sort of wired, which was I needed more I needed more of a mental and emotional connection with somebody to even have a desire to physically interact with them mm-hmm. and i never you know I never really grasped onto that concept as being because it, it's not it's not divinely masculine to kind of go about the world that way in your in your early 20s as a male. That's Most of
0: it is conquering. Yeah. yeah.
1: It's very uncommon to tell somebody in your early 20s like that could be, I guess, stand on a standard sense, physically attractive to tell them you're not into them because for whatever reason, you're just not feeling their vibe. I'm mm-hmm. not really into like your mannerisms kind of throw me off. I don't like the way you talk. As soon as you open your mouth, it kind of ugh, wasn't into it. <laughs> like that, ugh. That, that was a real problem for me like early on in my life. So it was like, it's pretty crazy. It's pretty crazy to think how many experiences that kept me from, or how many how many you know relationships that kept me out of, because I didn't spend a lot of time just pushing to kind of learn and find out, you know, how important physical interaction was with me, because I would never take a relationship that far, ever, because it was like, I mean, I wasn't. I'm not saying I was the 25 year old version, but you know, right, from, or that you're asexual, right? Or anything no, like that. nothing like right. that. I was definitely a pretty standard you know, average white straight male in that sense. But I just didn't have a lot of, you know, a lot of interest in doing that because I couldn't connect with people that way very often. You mean emotionally emotionally or physically? Emotionally, I couldn't connect with people that way. So it never really very often took me further into those relationships. So I was a late bloomer, not when it came to sexual interactions, but when it came to just general emotional growth of who I was in a relationship because I was never interested in being in a long-term, or long-term relationship because the physical part of that's pretty important. Yeah. The physical part of that's pretty important. And if you're not emotionally attracted enough to someone to get physical with them, you're never going to be in a long-term relationship because that's a huge part of it. So I didn't really have a lot of these standard grow-up experiences in that sense because I just couldn't connect with a lot of the women that I was meeting in my life. I couldn't. And I just wasn't there. And then finally you know, I'm I'm more than comfortable talking about this in depth and it's totally fine. But in the very beginnings of, you know, the first relationships that I was in, I would push a little bit. I push myself a little bit and be like, you know what, you know, you really haven't experienced or gone that far down a road of a long-term relationship or a real one-on-one relationship because you haven't really given yourself the chance. Maybe it's a sense of, not relinqu- You're not able to relinqu- relinquish enough control in a relationship to stay in it long enough. Maybe it's commitment issues. Maybe that's what it is. Mm-hmm. And so I'd start questioning myself because all the men around me were in relationships, physical ones, or they'd sleep with a girl and then end up dating her for fucking a year after that mm-hmm. because it became easier or closer to them. And I wasn't going through those same experiences because <clears throat> I just wasn't connecting as often in those ways. So I started pushing myself a little bit to try to, you know, stick it out a little longer in relationships, that fucked me mm. completely. That threw me upside down in this world because I put my, I was so, I realized that I had so much commitment that that's why I wasn't letting myself get into relationships. Cause I knew I'd, I wouldn't want to quit until I knew it was horrible or I didn't want to it quit was super so over. bad. Right. Until it was super clear that it was never going to work. I was so overly like, competitive and making sure that I would always do my absolute best in every situation that once I finally pushed a little bit through that wall, it actually didn't serve me because what I ended up doing is that I was committing to situations and relationships in these, you know, two times, but committed to women who I really should have never been in a relationship with, but I wasn't a fucking quitter. Mm. I was no quitter. I wasn't like you get with somebody and you work it out. You figure it out. You just, you're in a good relationship You're lucky to be with somebody, put in the effort. It's you, figure it out. And that's not true. It's not true. Sometimes it's just not the right person. You don't link up. You're not emotionally compatible. You don't have the same interest in life, whatever it is. And I would stifle my own dreams, my own needs, my own interests, just at the expense of making sure the relationship stayed alive. And then finally, when it ended, the specific one I'm talking about, finally, when it ended, I woke up one day and was like, I was never happy once in that relationship. Mm-hmm. Never happy once. And I stayed for fucking, f- I, I don't even know. I never put, you know, a timeline on, but like five or six years. That's crazy.
2: That was a long time to not be happy. a long fucking, <laughs>
1: no. And I mean, never happy, but I was never bitter when it ended. I was very happy, very relieved. It's like I took this heavy ass backpack off and I was like, holy shit, that was a long haul. What happened? And what had happened was, is that I was so committed to being the best version of myself and bringing good energy and making sure that I kept it alive and kept fanning the flame and making sure that things were good, at least good in the general sense that I learned a lot about how we'll stay in a relationship just because it's not that bad. Mm. And that's the worst reason to be in a relationship. So many, and I'm, I'm finding it more in women, but I promise you, I'm not saying that that's the only, you know, the only case or scenario where that's, you know, True. But how many people are in a relationship, they're not leaving the relationship because it's just not that bad? They're not an abuser, they're not a drug addict, they have a job, they're even a really good person and they mean really well. So why would I leave that person? Well, I'll give you a few reasons. One's because you, you don't love them. Two, because you can't love somebody and not necessarily need to be in a relationship with that somebody. And three, because you're not happy. Like you just take that full circle around every time and keep asking those questions and you need to ask those questions every day. And that's not to threaten the other person. You don't need to tell the other person. You're always questioning the relationship, but you should be questioning a relationship every fucking day. Every day you wake up, you're making a conscious decision to be in a relationship. Make no mistake about it. And that's the one thing you have to try to remember in a lot of these circumstances is that person woke up today and they chose to be with you. I understand the cultural... Stigma behind putting a wedding band on somebody's finger and saying, I'm committing to you until death, no matter what we're going to work on stuff, but they're still going to have to wake up tomorrow and decide to leave that ring on their finger.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: But what I've found is that culturally and societally, like what we're doing in the, you know, the social realm is that we're almost black or white with it, which is if you've committed to the relationship, you're wrong for leaving. If there wasn't a good reason, if they didn't cheat, they didn't screw you over if you know they weren't abusive if you have money if you guys are safe and hap- or you know safe or full fridge whatever it is and you're doing well together you're succeeding then your relationship is good therefore you shouldn't quit on it because there's more to be learned there and while i feel that having a good counselor you'll find a lot of times there is a lot of salvageable parts of relationships that 80% of them aren't 80% that's i mean it's a high number but there's a reason why you know so many marriages do end in divorce. There's a reason why so many relationships do run their course in about three years, or do run their course around that time frame when they're serious relationships. It's because you'll find that as you're growing, both people aren't in interest of growing in the same direction together. In which case, it just becomes so fragile, it just breaks. Mm-hmm. Things get so tense. And I'm trying to remind people every day that as long as you keep the context in place, which is, are you happy? with the relationship with the person? Do you want a future with them? Do you want to grow with them? Keep asking those questions every day. And you'll find that you'll come to a head much sooner in the relationship and find out how much you want out of it within a few months instead of three years, Mm -hmm. which is what happened to me, is that I learned about a year in enough about myself to realize I wasn't happy somewhere subconsciously and stayed in that relationship far too long just out of being socially ingrained to not quit on things. Yeah. I'm not a quitter.
0: I think that a lot of people, myself included, I'm not anywhere near perfect, but when you're dating someone, when you're getting to know someone, it's very performative. I want to be Lindsay, the cool chick, or I want to be Lindsay, the girlfriend that like all of his friends like. And so even if your friend's kind of a douche, like I'm going to put up with them <laughs> because I want to be that girl that like everyone's friend likes, yeah. right? Whatever it sure. is. Like that's just an example. It's
1: very, it's very, very relatable though. For yeah. Sure.
0: yeah. I've totally done that. Yeah. I'm not just spitting yeah, no. random examples you can't out make here. That up. I've, I've done that, right? But, Straight from the
1: script. So
0: then a year in that performance gets fucking exhausting.
1: Near impossible. It's like, no,
0: your friend's a douche. I don't want to go watch football with him this weekend. And so then all of a sudden... You get that conversation of, oh, you're not the person I fell in love with. And it's like, no, I'm just finally becoming the person that I am. I'm finally willing to show you who I am. And that's how often like couples show up in my practice and they're, you know, they say that exact line. And I'm sure listeners have, have said that too. Like, she's just not the girl I fell in love with or he's so different. And it's like, first off, I would hope that you're different. Y'all have been together for years. <laughs> yeah. You you reserve the right to be a different person in 2021 than you were in 2020 or even last month. For right? sure. And it gets to a point where when those things come up and when someone's, quote unquote, true colors start to show, that's when the questions that you're asking are so pertinent. Am I happy with this? If she thinks that my best friend's a douche and she never wants to go to a football game with him again, is that the person that I want to spend my time and energy with. And if your answer is yes, okay, then you need to accept that she thinks your friend's a douche, right? Yes. And if the answer is no, that's okay too, but you need to show up authentically enough to even start to have that conversation.
1: I agree. And I think it just to circle back to what you asked, what happened? What was the, you know, why did it pivot and turn into such a emotional, <laughs> emotional advice pages? Because, I kind of found the key for myself. It's not the key for everybody. Everyone's experience is going to be different, but what worked for me was coming uh to a head with myself and coming to a realization that when I start a relationship, which I did right around the time where I made that pivot, you know, emotionally in my life, which was making sure to show yourself more from as far as identity goes, show people who you are from a moral standpoint. Show people who you are from, you know, a very emotional, a very raw standpoint of just what composes your identity from your actual emotional characteristics, from your mannerisms that are actually happening much deeper than who you, you know, display yourself to be from, you know, the surface bullshit. Because a lot of the times, and I think we have it a little bit backwards, but it's, it's just how we're set up. But a lot of the times we start relationships based on the things we have in common with people in an extrinsic world, like your shell, you know, do you have common interests? Oh, we both like to work out. That starts the conversation. But a lot of times when those things are so linked up in the beginning, we'll pursue a relationship much deeper just based on the fact that we had so much in common from the start. So if you and me both like to exercise, we find out through texting that we end up really both loving sushi. And now all of a sudden that turns into first date and those two people go to get sushi together. And now they have found a few common places to keep turning back to to relate back to, to continue to fuel the physical. Mm. Now what ends up happening is you sort of started this, you started this courtship, which is always, I welcome people to explore people they're interested in all the time. And this is not, you know, criticism of that, but people will cling to those things and keep turning back to those things they had in common all along these years.
0: We're in this super toxic thing, but she loves sashimi, right. dude. Well, so I no, got to it. It, in it
1: sounds crazy, but it's how, we, it's how we mold relationships now. We mold these relationships based on filters. Think about the way you interact with people on social media through hashtags. And this isn't scripted. I've never really expressed this thought before. It just came to my brain now. So it could be hard to connect the dots here. But a hashtag filters things based on one topic, one thing, one subject, one niche. Mm-hmm. I don't like the word niche, we're not gonna use that today, but niche <laughs> it's less pretentious. I hate fucking hate the word niche, but the niche, and that's how social media works, and we interact that way now in the real world, in the tangible world, which is we're filtering all these things based on who you are, what's your identity, and what do you present as. What's that niche? What's that hashtag? What's that thing that brings people together? And you're only interacting with people with those same surface interests. But a lot of these things they don't matter in a real relationship. They're very irrelevant. Sure, they're fun topics of conversation to have with people. And they're a great reason to start a conversation on the subway. They're a great reason to get to know somebody on that little bit of a deeper, you know, deeper than tattoos layer. But these things are not interest. They're not genuine interest to keep two souls together. They're not deep enough. Yet that's how we're structuring and building the foundations of all these fucking track homes of relationships that we've built now. People are married now off the basis that they met at a 49ers game. Right? It's beautiful. It's cool. It's fun. But I sure hope that that's not one of the gluing pieces that kept you pushing through that relationship because you met someone, you got physical. The moment you connect sexually, you feel that there's a deeper reason now. Especially, there's actually a lot of intense writing about, you know, day after shame from a feminine sense of women who have a hard time with one night stands, even though culturally we're saying, you know, you should be okay with one night stands because it doesn't make you a slut. It doesn't make you. A user it doesn't make you a womanizer, whatever you know context you want to put it in. But it's also okay to have negative connotations with a one-night stand. That's also okay. If you're not that person, if that doesn't serve your soul, just because it's culturally acceptable, it never worked for me. Mm-hmm. Thor and Bradley, it never worked for me to link up with someone and hook up with them. And that would never work for me because I have to be emotionally and mentally compatible with that person to have any attraction to them. It sounds crazy. How are you wired so different? I just am. I don't know what it is. The moment I start having conversation with someone, I can get instant. I mean, it happens a lot with plenty of people, but you can get instantly turned off and be like, Oof. whoa, nope, nope, that wasn't what I thought it was. And so many times in life, I feel like we, the moment that we connect with someone on a sexual or physical level, we feel obligated to take that relationship two weeks further, three weeks further, one year further, because- mm-hmm. Now we're ingrained that relationships, once they become physical, once they become that deep, that you're sort of obligated to not ghost that person. Mm. Don't leave them behind. Don't just, and I'm not advocating that you should ever just stop talking to someone without reason. Please give somebody a reason. Explain to them why you're not interested. But I'm saying is that it's also okay to walk away from a situation and not be afraid of what's going to happen if you don't have someone to sleep with tomorrow. Right. Someone else will stumble into your life. Somebody else will come along that is more compatible. And I promise that, you know, sexual experience or the gratification that comes along with the physical aspect of a relationship will be much more rewarding when you really can feel conversation with someone on an emotional, intimate level. And that's what I learned. And that's why, that's why it changed my life for the long run is that it was okay that societally we were coming to this place where from a social construct, you know, it should be okay that people can have a one night stand You're not a, that doesn't make you a slut. If it served you in that certain circumstance, it doesn't make you a man whore that you wanted to, you know, make out with some chick at a party for four hours, take her home. And then you guys ended up finding out that you weren't compatible the next day. But it's also okay. If you're the person that feels shame after one of those situations, Mm -hmm. that's fine because that's how, that's how you're wired. That's how you're built. That's how you're set up. And people shouldn't be confused if it doesn't serve them to emotionally or societally live that way where it's always you find someone you're physically attracted to them. I feel it's pretty common now that you hook up on the first or second time you've ever you know physically interacted with each other to find out if you're interested in the long run. If that makes you feel a little weird, a little uncomfortable, a little like uneasy the next day after that interaction, if that just didn't work for you, please don't feel that it's socially you know, wrong. You're not broken. You're not, no, nothing's wrong with you to feel like that didn't work. And you feel like that didn't serve you. And now you feel a little strange about it. And you feel like there's, it, that wasn't part of who you are. And I feel like, although it's not the other person's fault, if you were consensual in that point in time, you have to understand that it's okay that you don't let society push you or your friends or groups or the people you hang out with to push you into these situations where you feel that physical interaction needs to be the first place you go. mm because physical interaction, I've found quite a bit, can, especially for men, can cloud their decision-making for the next multiple weeks or months. Because you're, once you've sort of satisfied, it's like hunger. Once you've found a place to continue to get food from, we keep going to that place. Because that is a need. We're all, we all have a libido. Well, most of us have a libido. And it's natural to talk about the fact that you have a desire to want to satisfy that pocket of your brain. Mm-hmm. Just like you want to go eat a burger when you're super hungry, you want to have sex when you are aroused or thinking about sex. That's normal. But the problem is, is that if if you start getting it from somewhere and then that's the basis of your relationship, that's the basis, that's the foundation of why you're sticking around is because you're both keeping each other company on a physical level, you can take a relationship so much deeper by accident because it's continuing to serve you in that same place. Mm-hmm. Is you'll wake up one day and be like, dude, I am empty. There's nothing... There's nothing here serving me. I you might not even you might find you're really not attracted to that person much at all after a couple months of your time because you didn't first find out if there was a deeper attraction than just the physical. Mm -hmm. And I I need to stretch just one more time. I'm not sitting here and preaching that it's not okay to physically interact with people that you're attracted to. If that serves you, both people are psyched about it, please like do that. You need to do that. Everyone needs to find what works for them, especially if both people are psyched about it, all three people are psyched about it, you know, whatever the circumstance is, but it needs to be normalized too, to find out that it's okay. If that's not your personality trait, if that's not how your psyche works. Mm -hmm. And I feel that that's why I was misplaced for so long. Mm. I felt kind of lost because I didn't really understand why there were so many circumstances that came up where I was starting or, you know, pushing through relationships where those things that I just talked about all in the beginning were all problems that I just ignored.
0: Yeah, a lot of times, you know, our bodies make a physical connection with somebody and if that... And like you were saying before, if hookup culture, if one night stands, if casual sex, if fuck buddy, whatever you want to call it, if that works for you, cool. Um, And if you're finding that it doesn't, a lot of times it comes back to if we walk into sexual relationship with somebody too quickly before mentally or emotionally we've gotten to that point our brain will play catch up like we feel this intense connection like sexually charged connections are very intense and our brains try to start making sense of it and we start overlooking the like weird gut feeling I got about his friend that you know kind of sucked when we were watching the football game or whatever it's like the fact
1: he said he never wants to have kids and I really want to have kids yeah or whatever it is
0: like we start to rationalize or our brain starts to try to catch up with this with this connection. And, and it can be really devastating when you get to a point, like you're saying, you wake up a week, two months, three months, a year, five years later, and you're like, wow, I have been spending more time trying to make sense of something, trying to rationalize, trying to catch up to something. That was never really there that could be devastating to come to terms with and that's you know like you were saying people stay in loveless relationships people get married and and are so committed to not quote-unquote not failing that they stay in something that's not serving either person and it can be really really scary to leave something that like you said isn't inherently bad There was no cheating. There was no physical abuse. There was no emotional abuse. But you wake up one day to just realize you're not happy. You can get a lot of messages from a lot of different people saying like, oh man, like don't give up or don't give up on it. She's such a sweet girl or he's such an awesome guy. And it's like, they can be so sweet and they can be so awesome and still not be your person.
1: Yes. Being a good person is not, before I even say this, I want to say anyone who's listening, please I'm not experienced. I'm not a counselor. I didn't spend any years in school learning about relationship therapy or anything like that. So you put it a lot more eloquently and you have way more advice about it. I was just you know, speaking from personal experience of what worked for me, but someone being a good person is not a qualification for them being a good partner. That's not a qualif. It's not a significant qualification.
0: Well, that's just like... That's the prerequisite. (laughs) It's like, that's
1: like, that's like when you do the push pull on the door to get into a gas station. That's (laughs) like, that's like being able to read that. That's all it is. It's (laughs) like, that's, that's how much it matters. It may open the door to know that this person is good enough or a good person. And that's great. Now I want to find out more about them, but that's something you should be trying to establish with everybody in your life.
0: Any connection, any
1: connection, any relationship, any boss you've ever had, any, we're constantly doing that, playing that dance already to figure out who are good people who are bad people. And that's messy as it is. I, I feel deep down in my heart that generally speaking, I'm a good person. That doesn't mean I'm like in a divine way that I'm good. I've done plenty of bad things in my life. Mm-hmm. I've done plenty of things that I still will be sitting alone, processing and thinking about and being like, dude, that was fucked up. Why did you handle that that way? Why did you say that? Why did you phrase it that way? That was genuinely a bad thing to do. Or I made a bad call or done things that really feel to this day still make me feel wrong, dirty, gross, just like I like didn't handle it as good as I could have in that interaction and treated somebody less you know, less than I could have. I could have been a little better about it. We're not all just good or bad. We've got a lot of both. I've got a lot of both, personally, for sure. But somebody else checking off that box early on of being a good person. He's such a good guy. She's such a good girl. They're such a sweetheart. They're so nice. They're so kind. Great. Good. So was the fucking lady that, like, I just was at the gas station who just picked up a conversation with me. It doesn't mean I would immediately say that that person's my life partner. You know what I Mm -hmm. mean? There's plenty of good people. We should be patting them on the back for being good people and, you know, trying to proliferate that in the world. But at the same time, that doesn't mean they're a partner. Please, please don't hold that to the, you know, the upper part of what you think because everyone you're in a relationship with should be a good person. Totally. Every single person.
0: One of the best pieces of advice that I got when going through schooling for counseling It was all on couples counseling and oftentimes, I want to say oftentimes, I will use a blanket to hate my hair. Every time people come into couples counseling, it's because the relationship is not going well and they want to fix it. And that can be a lot of pressure for a counselor to be like, wow, then I need to fix this. I need to ask the question or I need to cultivate the connection or whatever it may be enough so that this couple stays together. And the best bit of advice I ever got, and yes, it was from a professor and in the sense of counseling, but I apply to my own life all the time, is just because the relationship ends does not mean that counseling was a failure. Because that relationship ending was probably exactly what that couple needed. I can't tell you how many times to myself, to other people that I work with in the field that... We get on a call or we get on a supervision meeting and they're like, yeah, I had a couple break up in session today, you know, and like, that can be a lot. That's a lot. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's a, people will come into counseling subconsciously wanting to break up, but not having the space to do it. And all of a sudden they're sitting on the couch and you're sitting there with them and two people break up in front of you and you're like, look down at your watch. You're like, cool. I have 48 minutes left of this session.
1: Damn. You know? Yeah. I didn't even think about that. Honestly, I've never even thought. Of how that could turn. So it's interesting you just brought that up because I look at counseling and I think of counseling as, well, they're going to be at least together for a couple more days. If they went to a counseling session, they're for sure not going to ever break up. Inside, it, to think that that happens is just—it's beyond it happens all me. The time. Yeah, it's beyond me. I wouldn't even process that. So it's interesting to hear that side of it.
0: It happens all the time, and that didn't make the therapy a failure. In fact, it made the th- the therapy showed them exactly what was meant to happen. And now they had a vessel to do it.
1: And it didn't take seven sessions, maybe. It, yeah.
0: So, sometimes. You know, yeah. sometimes you're... And that's even more heartbreaking is when you're in counseling with Working, a couple for yeah. a long time. To get
1: to that result. Yeah. And then it
0: gets there. And so, you know, we... I know myself included, we have this checklist, right? Like, I want him or her to a good person i want them to be attractive i want them to have this kind of job i need them to be a homeowner right like the checklist and we can get so wrapped up in guilt when we're like they check everything off the list and i'm just still not invested or i'm just still not there there's so many other reasons then reevaluate your list right like the things that you're saying i want him to to have a good career okay so you want him to have a life outside of, you know, you want them to have friends, you want them to have a career, you want them to have these things. You're just saying you want this person to have a life. That is like you were saying, baseline prerequisite to getting into a relationship. So go back to your checklist and reevaluate it. You know, like you were saying before, I want someone who can show up for me emotionally. I want someone that when I am quote unquote, ugly crying I feel comfortable enough crying to that degree in front of, because I don't know, I'm not afraid if they're going to leave me. I'm not afraid if the amount of snot coming out of my nose is going to disgust them. Mm -hmm. Like, those are the kinds of things in my life that I'm like, could this partner show up in this capacity for me? And that has nothing to do with them being a good person or having a career. It just means that my checklist is a little bit more evolved now than it used to be. And I'm allowed to continuously make sure that my partner and I hold myself to that same standard can show up in that same degree.
1: Yeah. It's, it's crazy. It's crazy to think of the checklists that exist out there and think of the men and women who are looking for a significant other, um, or just looking for an interaction or looking for a relationship or whatever it is. And to think that these checklists are usually so arbitrary, they're so, They're so silly. They're so empty. They're so shelled. Like they don't really have that much substance to them. And the first thing I ever did to get past that, the first thing I ever did to get through that because the relationship that I um, turned to a lot that I was in that was horrible, not a good one. For so long when I was in the relationship, I put a lot of those uh, negative thoughts consolidated into a little box of all the problems I had as being the Mm. the other person's stimulus. Instead of letting the other person just be who they were and then asking myself immediately how I felt about who they were. Do you see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So instead, in when that relationship ended, the best thing that ever happened to me is to turn around and go, fuck, that lasted way longer than it should have. One, okay, how do I make sure that, that doesn't happen again ever? Because I don't got that many more years to keep fucking around and extending things longer than they need to be. I want to learn. Find out more about myself today so that the next one I get more from on a personal level. So that was the first step was going, okay, that wasn't that person's fault. That was a team fuck up because I stayed in something I shouldn't have for too long. That's majorly on me. And I know right now as I'm thinking about it, I wasn't happy that whole time. I know that. I knew it when I was in it. Mm -hmm. Yet I stayed. Mm -hmm. So that needs to be addressed before I can move forward into the next situation. But to think about how arbitrary some of these things are, the first thing I ask myself is, okay, this next this next venture in my life, this next stint in my life, I'm not looking for a somebody. I'm just looking for myself for a little bit here. And everybody says that. I'm working on me. What's the first thing they do when they're working on them? I'm going to get fit. It's the first thing. Everybody. I'm going to go get in shape because it makes me more attractive to whoever I'm trying to attract. Um, That's great. It doesn't solve anything. That's not going to get you anywhere further because the most important thing to understand is that that person you were in a relationship that didn't work. The only thing you can change about that now is the way you handled it. Mm -hmm. So that going forward into the next step you go through, you're cultivating an experience that better serves you as a person. And when I needed the most into my next chapter in my life after it ended was I needed a relationship that allowed me to be 100% full go me when I wanted to take it that far when I wanted to be the most intense version of myself and I wanted to really fucking spread my wings and go as hard as I want to go on anything I get excited about, I needed somebody to pat me on the ass and say, go fucking kill it. Like, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Like, go get it. Like, do whatever you want to do. Get excited about it. Because the moment you feel that with somebody, the moment you feel somebody want to see you at your best is the moment that you really experience what actual love feels like. Because the, the, the real sensation of being Thorin Bradley not somebody's significant other. I happen to also be that. But to be to live and breathe as my own individual while being in a loving and committal relationship is the first time you'll ever feel what it's like to feel stable. Because in that moment, you realize that things—if if that person still wants to be with you when you're killing it and out there getting attention as an individual, then you understand that's the most stable relationship you're ever going to be in. There's nothing that can push that over that can waver that except the circumstances that exist just within yourself, whether or not you still want to be in that relationship. But I found that it, when I prioritized that as the number one thing, which was do I get to be, cause I never got to be the full version of myself for a long fucking time. I was apologizing for being smart about things. I was apologizing for having ambition. I was serving somebody with my head down. I was making sure that, you know, I, I've always been in good shape my whole life, but that I was like slightly covered up most of the time. So I wasn't trying to show off or bolster myself out there because I'm in a relationship. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Those thoughts of being apologetic for who you are because you're taken. That's not a relationship. You're just in a situation where you're legitimately, legitimately just serving the life of the relationship itself, not the life of you as an individual. And when I finally learned that, when it finally clicked for me that it needs to just be the convergence of two individuals and the time you spend together is the relationship as a separate entity, that's where it clicked. And I was like, boom, okay, that's how you do it. How do I verbalize this? Because once it clicked for me, I was like, dude, I could fucking teach so many women this, so many men this, so many kids this along the way and get them there quicker to understand that there will never be a healthy circumstance that asks you to be any less intense, any less of yourself. It never be, there'll never be a good circumstance where the world gets less of you because we need everyone to just be at their most excited. The more often we can get out of them, the better. So that's where it, that's where it shifted for me. And that's where I bobbed and weaved as I understood, I was like, okay, well, fuck that felt pretty good mm-hmm. to like find someone who wants to be with me and be okay with the fact that the world is also looking at me. Or the world is also admiring who I am as a person. And that doesn't threaten the relationship because you know where I am. You know who I show up as. You hear the words that I'm saying when I tell you the words I love you. You actually listen to that and internalize the fact that I said it because I meant it, not said it out of
0: obligation obligation, or
1: that's just the trend of what to say in this moment because we just finished dinner, whatever it is. I started to learn that when someone is just there to listen and hear you, but then internalize their whatever way you, you know, demonstrate love, whatever affection that you give out, they actually take it in and thank you for it. Whether it's with words or just reception, that's what it's all about. It wasn't just the standard reward of being in a relationship and you go through the motion. I haven't been on a formal date, a formal date. I haven't been on one like three years. Does that mean that it wouldn't serve me to go have a steak dinner? No, of course not. But at the same time, it's because it's not needed. Because I don't have to put on. It doesn't serve what our relationship means. It's not. It's not so de- like we. Our demonstrative, you know, nature of the relationship is more. We do what we want to do based on how we're interacting, so it doesn't really fit the mold. It doesn't fit the standard. And it doesn't have to. Yeah.
0: And that and, and, to say you know, having a formal date hasn't happened for you in three years, for listeners out there, if going on a formal date is what helps your relationship or is your love language and helps you feel loved, that's totally fine. Do that and be with a partner that honors that. Mm -hmm. And knowing that relationships, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but like relationships can also be that give and take. Like I might really want that steak dinner. That might be what really sets me off and just gives me like the best love filled experience and yours might be a home cooked meal at home okay well then can we find a place in our world where we go on dates and have home cooked for meals? sure for can sure we can. find that that you know give and take and it sounds like you have a partner that You guys are so aligned with those same things. Like your giving and receiving of love is so similar. And it's not to say that if you don't have this totally parallel line with your partner that your relationship is doomed and it's not going to work. But what we are saying is that if your partner's idea of love or receiving love is different than yours, it is not your responsibility to show up only for them or for them to show up only for you, that you guys might have some hard conversations there's going to be times where you're showing up as authentically as yourself and if your partner is willing to say i see you i hear you and i love you because of it then that hell yeah that's your person not the person that meets the checklist of owning the home and going to the bougie restaurant and doing all these different things like the person that when you are showing up authentically and raw and as yourself is saying i am here to show up with you in this moment
1: that's important to hear too because I am to a fault extremely, um, in my love language, if you want to call it it that, although I'm not educated on the subject, the way that I express love and emotion is through energy. It's the only way I know how. I don't know if it's because I was raised. In fact, I could count on one hand how many times my grandma and my dad ever said the word, I love you, when I was growing up. And there's a lot of people in my life that they just didn't know how, based on however they were raised or their experience, they didn't know how to say that. I can say it fine. I say it a lot. I say it to people. I probably shouldn't even say it to, to be honest with you. <laughs> but like, like, um, what what I'm trying to say is that my, my love language is energy. So the way that I show somebody that I give a fuck about them, the way that I show somebody that I want them in my life is I'll put so much energy into one little task they want me to do, or maybe it's you know for you know a friend that I found out they were l- low on wood. When I went to their house to visit and I was like, you know what I could do next time I come up, they invite me over. I'm going to bring a of wood, stack it before I come inside and then tell them that I did that because that's the way that I feel that I can express love. So that's what works for me. I've never once had any belief or efficacy in the fact that buying somebody flowers did that it doesn't do that. It doesn't feel like I'm expressing my love that way. If I bought somebody flowers, it doesn't feel like if I went and bought somebody a heart shaped fucking necklace and gave it to them, that they're going to actually feel that energy I'm trying to express because it feels very scripted. It feels very, to me, very blueprint and very fake and and very surface
0: insert like significant relationship here. Yeah. I give them. the (laughs) (laughs) Right.
1: And that was always a struggle for me because so many, um, and that's just a very cheesy example, but there's so many parts of relationships that we use to establish how serious the relationship is that actually do rely on those cultural and social norms. Like, Did he pay for dinner? Did he do that? And I do that. Thank God. That's actually something, <laughs> something that I learned along the way to be, you know, extremely, um, gentlemanlike as often as I can, but there's a lot of those things that feel very cheesy and fake to me, but I learned that for a lot of women, that's not the case. And mm-hmm. for the and for the one that mattered to me the most, including, you know, her, but including also my mom and my sister and, you know, all these women that were in my life that I cared about a lot is that they didn't read love the same way that I like to express it all the time. And I could do one of those things with a lot of energy and have the person just be like, sick, sweet, sweet. Yeah. yeah. And me being like, what, what the fuck? Why didn't you feel what I just did? Don't you feel how much energy I put into that? But that's unfair because I'm labeling them with this expected response Mm -hmm. for the way that I'm demonstrating my love to them. So what I started to learn was is that, okay, there's a second layer to this, which is learn what they want to feel as well Mm -hmm. and also learn how to speak that language. Mm -hmm. Learn how to at least try to speak that language or show them that you're doing your best. I fucking hate flowers, but you know what I don't hate? Tomato plants because we can cook them, eat whatever it is. (laughs) I got you this badass fucking tomato plant. Are you psyched about it? That's getting a little closer. You're getting a little closer. You're reaching out. They're starting to feel that you're getting into that range where you're trying to be a little bit more bilingual with the different love languages you have. And I feel like that served me really well, especially with the women around me because the way that I express love is extremely...
0: Sounds like acts of service. Yeah, it's just all.
1: Yeah. It's almost only acts of service. And that's also, to, very, to a lot of people, that's a very cold way to express love. Because it's not very, I'm not very, you know, I'm not very touchy. I'm not, I don't like the fucking Valentine's Day bullshit. I don't like all that stuff. But if somebody does, I can convert that energy that I have for acts of service and just learn how to put it and place it into a place that actually serves that person a little better. Mm -hmm. And then I'll still get that feedback from it. And you don't need to do these tasks or do these chores or, you know, things that feel like expressing love with an expect like you said, expectation is the worst way to set yourself up for, you know, just being absolutely sad, depressed and failed because you can't do something with the expectation. You're going to get a standard reward from it because you won't ever get exactly what you're looking for. It's not going to be that way, but you can do it with the idea that you're speaking it to someone who can now read it, who can now see it. And for me, a lot of times it was just saying, Hey, when I did this, you know how I just, stack, like, I just swept all the floors and I cooked you dinner and then did the dishes? I fucking hate the dishes. And I did the dishes today. Like Express that. It's okay. And it's not to make someone feel bad. You're not putting in a light where it's like, you fucking owe me. That's bullshit. But you are putting in a way where you're expressing, this is why I did it. This is the direction I was coming from. Now do you kind of see what I did? Or do you kind of feel what I'm trying to do here? So that someone sees where you're coming from. So you're at least giving them a fucking fighting chance to understand where you're at so you don't end up with this disconnect in five years where the person's like, you haven't been trying. And it's like, well, I was, but if you didn't express in words or use, you know, more verbal language to tell them where you were coming from, I feel like you're always going to disconnect at some point. Even if the, you and the person have very similar love languages, you're not going to have similar capabilities. You know what I mean? You're not going to have similar bank accounts. Not always. One person's going to make more than the other almost almost every time or especially in this fucking county. But, <laughs> but you're always going to have these disconnects. And along the way, even if you have the same love language, if you're not expressing or carrying that luggage into the room and willing to open it and talk about what's inside, then you're just going to get a completely random response in five years. And you're going to be in a place where you're not on the same railroad tracks. You're somewhere completely different. And that's what I'm learning along the way, which is like, it's not enough to just do shit with a ton of energy. Make sure you're expressing to the person why you did it. Mm -hmm. Hey man, like I brought all this wood over because last time I came over, I saw you guys were low and I was worried and I really care about you guys. And I wanted to thank you for having me over for dinner, not drop off a bunch of wood and be like,
0: (laughs) where's my steak? Yeah.
1: Where's my hug? (laughs) Where's my food? Where's my beer? Yeah. So I think that's an important, important lesson that I learned along the way that's helped me a lot. In relationships help me a lot with love and understanding what it is for everybody.
0: So I love that and I think that that's a perfect place to kind of put a bow on this episode. I know that you and I can go down the rabbit hole and just keep chatting yeah, forever. For sure. So I'm sure it'll only be a matter of time until you're back on the show. But if people wanted to find more of the captions we've talked about, get a hold of you, look at the relationship advice, fitness advice, all the advice that you're putting out there, how can people get a hold of you?
1: I think the best place right now to find me um, as sort of like my epicenter would just be find me on Instagram. It's Bradley, my last name, B-R-A-D-L-E-Y dot T-H-O-R, last name dot first name. Um, And then that'll kind of just stem you off into how interested you are into whether it's, you know, me on your episodes. I always share that. I share podcasts that I'm on. I share playlists that I like, whatever it is, the app that I'm building, all that good stuff. So... If I just give that out there, I think people will have more than enough to find their rest for sure. Hell
0: yeah. Well, thanks for being on today.
1: Heck yeah.